Welcome to our podcast. I'm Penny. And I'm Kirk. And this is She-Hulk Cast, a podcast dedicated to the Disney Plus show She-Hulk Attorney at Law. This episode, we're covering Season 1, Episode 7, The Retreat. And I just want to welcome Kirk back to the pod. Uh, Greg is off having... Oh, it's always a pleasure. Greg is off having some big life events. Excellent. And Kirk has graciously agreed to fill in for him. Uh, I think people will remember that Kirk was with us for an earlier episode, episode three, the people versus Emil Blonsky. So I'm glad you got to come back for another Blonsky episode. Yeah, Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks. I know Kirk is a huge Marvel fan and he's a comics artist. And we will once again link in the show notes to Kirk's art website, studiokm.com. Appreciate that. So what did you think overall of the episode? Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, it's funny because the last couple of episodes, um, I've kind of felt like they were mediocre. Um, mm-hmm. and I thought it show started off really strong and then, you know, kind of lost some of its footing for me in the middle. But, uh, so I went into this episode with really low expectations. You know, this is, it's still Marvel. I still enjoy it. It's still just an average show. And, um, and then, of course, the minute I lower my expectations, the show comes in and, and, and gives me a great episode. So <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good thing. Um, you know, I think the, the, the reason for, for my, you know, like of it this time, this episode, was there was some, some changes I felt that needed to, to come. Um, first of all, I thought the pacing was much quicker. Yeah, I felt like in you know the, the previous episodes uh, or one or two episodes building up to this, it, it was very kind of slow. Um, so that that everything moved quite quickly here, and I, I enjoyed that. It's only a thirty-minute show, so you know it make you know when it, when it's slow in thirty minutes, it's extremely frustrating because it's like nothing's happened and the show's over. So uh, I enjoyed that. I, I also think the the single storyline. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this I think is the first. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe the the episode one and two, or at least one with with um, when she was teamed up with um, with her Bruce. cousin, yeah, with Bruce. Yeah. Um, but the the single storyline, as opposed to multiple storylines, which is what's been going on in at least two, you know, kind of simultaneous storylines for a lot of the previous episodes. Um, and for me, you know, Tatiana Maslany is fantastic, and 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 I think she should be in every scene. in every single story you know what i mean i mean it's like she it's her show and and uh and she's fantastic and when she's not on the screen uh, the show's not as good um so for me that 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 was great to have it be a single storyline um i thought the writing was better um i don't know if they changed writers or if there was the same writers they just getting into their their groove more I, i laughed more at the jokes i thought the dialogue was great with blonsky um of course he's fantastic yeah I think Tim Roth really elevates. Yeah, he's fantastic. The show, yeah, um, he's and really they good. and they play off each other really, really well. So, um, uh, I thought the fourth wall break uh, was really more significant in this. Yeah, um, and I think we're going to talk about more about that. So I don't, I don't need to jump into that. But um, uh, let's see. I, I thought the camera work was some really creative choices in the camera work um, overhead God shot in the very beginning with the bathroom, um, the tracking single dolly shot of her preparing for the date, um, you know, as well as the musical choices I thought were much more, um, I don't know, interesting and, 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 and jived well with the story. Um, you know, when she's getting dressed, they're playing a, a song called now I'm in it by ham, I think H A I M. Um, yep. and the, the opening line is looking in the mirror again and again, wishing the reflection would tell me something, which is kind of perfect for where she is at this moment in the story. She's, she's lost a little, she's trying to figure out who she is and how to live this new dual life. And is she Jen or is she, she Hulk and how does she reconcile all that? You know? Um, so I just, uh, overall, I just thought everything was kind of working more, um, cohesively in this episode. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it gave me a much, you know, I had a much more positive experience with it. I really liked it a lot. How about you? Fantastic. I have to agree with you on a lot of your points. Um, I think it's been overdue for us to deal with Jen's identity crisis. Yeah. I've been waiting for this. And 
we finally got it. I think they sort of moved through it a little too quickly, but it was nice to see it addressed. And I really loved the new characters we got. I thought they were all really entertaining. Yeah. And um, yeah, her chemistry with Tim Roth is really good. He is so funny and and so dry and so, I don't know, lovable. Um, it He really, he's just so good. I'm so glad that they brought him back from the movie. Because yeah. in the movie, that movie was just, I don't know, just not that good. Um, but no, I'm glad wasn't. that they recognized that Tim Roth wasn't the problem. Well, and also I think that the Tim Roth character, his character in the movie was portrayed very differently. It was kind of this like um, obnoxious, um, violent driven kind of uh, soldier guy. And um, you know, with a lot of anger issues and now he's in, you know, total contrast having gone through you know prison and all of this and we, you don't know whether it's really him or whether it's a, an act or whatever but still it's it's cool it's complicated yeah oh that actually gets me into one of my points so let's just dive into that sure uh is blonsky's agenda is he for real is he really this transformed person who runs a meditation retreat and helps people manage their anger or is he working some kind of long con? Does he have some other thing going on? Um, I know some people think that his meditation retreat is just a way to recruit other superpowered beings into his villain group. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think he's for real? Well, I think trust was a was an anchor point for the whole episode. You know, I think that... Um, there was a strong message of that throughout the episode and that was a big part of it. You know, um, I think Jen wanted to be light for being Jen, um, but hard for her to trust and, and let that happen was, was kind of the overall theme. And I think that, um, then, you know, the whole thing with Josh and everything else, uh, which I can get into more with, but in response to your direct question, you know, I, I don't think we know, I think, and that's, you know, I think she's cautious around him um, when she first gets up there and, um, you know, is uh, keeping professional lawyer distance. But um, uh, but then, of course, that all gets broken down when they have, you know, the, the intervention, so to speak. And um, but, yeah, you don't uh, you, you don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like especially knowing what that character was like in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that, um, you know, plus the way that they play portrayed that initially with the um, the seven brides or whatever that are, you know, at, at his hearing in the first uh, second <laughs> episode or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. there's definitely there's this manipulative, manipulative, manipulative. I don't think that's a word. Manipulative um, uh, possible cult like, you know, thing going on with him. That's really hard to believe it's sincere. Um, especially knowing how, you know, what he can become, um, as the, uh, as the abomination. So, um, I I don't know. I think the, the, I think they're playing with us a little bit there. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to go into it later in one of my points, you know, but I think there are some clues. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, that, that trust is, is, is a big issue with him. What do you think? I'm inclined to believe him and, I suspect that a future plot development, whether it's in this show or later in some other movie, will be someone pulling him out of this life that he's created for himself and him sort of reluctantly going along with it. That's my suspicion, but I don't know that much about his character from the comics. I never read any uh, comics with Abomination in them, and, um, and I know there's some movie coming called thunderbolts and i have like vague ideas about what that's about and he's probably going to be in it but i i don't want to know any more than that because it it will ruin some of the surprises for me but i'm i'm inclined to trust him he seems kind of legit like he's actually helping people yeah i think what's you know 
making it, um, which again is for me is entertaining and, and part of what I enjoy about a show like this is I'm not sure. I think, and, and I think it can be both things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think that certainly the case can be made that, um, the group was very helpful for her. Um, it was, a uh, you know, trust is a big issue for her trying to understand who, who likes her for her as opposed to liking her for being She-Hulk, um, who's got a, an agenda, if they're a villain or whatever, you know. So, and and these this group of guys who all seem kind of goofy and, and innocent and um, a little bit more self-aware because they've been doing all this work in this group, um, you know, are able to help show her that, you know, not everybody is like that and that, you know, she needs to... Um, look at inside a little bit and become at peace with her duality and come to terms with that and, and, and love herself and all this kind of stuff. And I think that was all true positive development in the character in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Transformative in fact, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their ultimate agenda, that group was positive, that they weren't also trying to accomplish something else or that they, in their effort to do something evil that they actually did something positive as well. I, I don't know. Cause I think right. you can't, you know, you got to look at, which is again, good writing. If you ask me, you know what I mean? Cause you're, you're watching this play out on one level. And so you're like, wow, these guys are okay. They, 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 they're really, you know, they're helping her and she's getting a real good positive experience out of this, et cetera, et cetera. But then you also, you know, it's hard to like not see like, he had to have messed with that um, monitor, ankle monitor, which mm-hmm. got her up there. You know what I mean? Then yeah. the fact that he introduces her to the two, the, the, the uh, bull guy and the swordsman guy. And as soon as they're introduced, they destroy her car, making it impossible for her to leave. Oh, you know? I didn't think about that as possibly intentional. Yeah. And then they get her into this group and you know they're they're kind of playing on her her identity issues and her um, her trust issues and all of this kind of stuff. And there's all these references to blood, especially the vampire guy. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and of course, we end up finding out that you know obviously Josh's whole mission was to get her blood. So um, that kind of ties them to to him in my it, you know from a writing point of view. And then the ultimate outcome of what they accomplish is this positive great thing where she you know stands up for herself and she dumps this guy and gets rid of his contact information in her phone but then we find out that he actually did take the blood from her and was a bad guy and yet now she doesn't have you know he's out of her phone it's almost as if it was kind of like they're part of the mission he gets the blood they got to get his passed out of her phone and out of her history so that she moves on you know what i mean and doesn't try to pursue him any further because i think there's the possibility that josh and this group are connected um Mm -hmm. we there was one guy of the uh, and and the crowman the crowbar guy um from the yeah the wrecking crew i mean it's just too it's a very weird coincidence that he would be there and be part of that and he was directly trying to get her blood so he knew yeah. that people are trying to get her blood. And then there was one guy on that wrecking crew that wore a mask. And um, we never saw who he was. So one possible theory is that that's Josh. Mm. Um, and so then they couldn't get it this way. So they came at it from a different direction. And they all kind of had a part to play in this. Um, so I, I think she, there's a good possibility she was getting played there. But that doesn't also undermine the fact that she had some real good personal growth out of this experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just makes it weird. Um, I love that you're so suspicious and I wasn't because uh, it just makes for better podcasting when there's differences <laughs> of interpretation. Right. Uh, so you uh, alluded to it and uh, I skipped over the part where we talk about breaking the fourth wall. Uh, there was only one fourth wall break in this episode, and that was um, when Jen sees Wrecker, the, that's the name of the crowbar guy, and says, 
oh, I can't. Oh, did they previously on him? Oh, we're going to yeah. do it again. Previously yeah. on this guy. And like you said, it's a little bit of a different fourth wall break because not only is she acknowledging the audience, but she's acknowledging the sort of framework of the television show in an even even more than just saying it's a show. It's like, and then there's going to be a previously on and there's going to be like, it's as if she was mentioning editing or the light equipment or something. It's just another level of breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, I would even I would even ratchet that up more and and say that it it's a um, significantly larger. Uh, I don't know if the power is the word I want, but she's actually stopping the the, the flow of the story and um, backing it up and introducing other things and then going back to it and changing the flow, in other words, of the story as opposed to just turning and talking to the audience. She's actually interrupting the flow of the story, putting a pause and then, you know, at demanding that, you know, a certain act, other thing take place, which is this, you know, previously on and then goes back. So it's a, it's a level of control of the story in the fourth wall that we haven't seen prior to this. Um, and I, I thought that was that was cool. And it was a it was a different it was a different way to approach it instead of always just the comedic look at the the, the camera for a second joke. Um, yeah. And then there's there's a second one, though. Oh, and I missed it. Well, I don't think anybody missed it. I just think they didn't pick up on it when she's getting dressed in the opening scene. She goes into her closet and then she looks at the camera towards the camera and closes her door. Oh, I missed that. That's fantastic. Why would you need to close the door if you're getting dressed and you're alone in the house? You know what I mean? Exactly. Just because of the camera. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So I thought that was that was pretty cool and subtle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to have to rewatch it so that I can I can notice that. <laughs> I always learn something on podcasts and that make me want to rewatch the show. And yeah. it's true of the ones I'm I'm part of and the ones that I just listen to. Yeah, I'm always yeah. like, oh no, I have to see that. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody sees different things, you know, so yeah. it's great to get different points of view. There was actually an interesting one I've seen online and a lot of YouTube videos and stuff about the show that people caught that I didn't catch from a previous episode. I might have been last I think it might have been last week's episode when her um uh assistant is working with the other lawyer and they're going through um, the uh, that intelligentsia website um, with which has all the you know the male hate and all that stuff um, and they're sitting at her desk and she turns and looks at the camera when the the lawyer says something and she kind of rolls her eye and it's it's a definite like fourth wall break but very subtle and um so there's a lot of people are like you know does she have the same ability and also we saw in WandaVision um um Agatha or Hagatha or whatever her name is um do a lot of fourth wall break and look at the camera like that um and when she does it she's wearing this necklace that has a a, a pentagram or whatever that that demon symbol it's like a star in a pentagram yeah isn't it called mm -hmm. a pentagram? Yeah, pentagram and um and she's also wearing a um that's a necklace and i think it's either earrings or something as well that match something that Ag agatha was wearing and so oh. there's a there's speculation that she may be a witch or be something more than what she appears to be so oh, i just say so yeah cool. you got to go back i don't i think it was last week's episode i hope that's true that's so fun if she yeah. turns out to be a witch. And it also means that she might show up in the House of Harkness show when that comes out. Or Covenant yeah. of Chaos, yeah. it's going to be called. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's sometime. They said winter 2023. And I don't know if that means like January, February winter or December no. winter. I think that would mean December. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to wait that long, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> I want all of it now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this. In fact, I want this uh, Deadpool uh, Wolverine team up that we just found out about. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh that my god, great. I want that like tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. We're so lucky. We're such lucky nerds. Well, it's an yeah, it's a fantastic time, you know, and uh, 
and I cringe when I see people get so critical, you know, and so unhappy with, with uh, like the season, not season, the phase four that we're in now, and and sometimes you know a, a particular uh, Disney Plus show or a, uh, would not be uh, you know to their liking or whatever, and it's like, is it? Then they start you know, oh, the MCU is over, and the MCU's you know just not what it used to be, and it's, it's just um, as it gets. It's silly. Yeah, and as it gets larger, of course, you're not, you know, you're going to not appeal to everybody. You know, that's and that that's fine. That's, you know, you go to the comic yeah. book store, there's, you know, a million comics every month and, you know, you don't buy all of them because they don't all appeal to you. So, yeah. It used to be if you were a fan of genre TV, there was like maybe two shows. Yeah. at a time. Yeah. And you you waited and you forgave them for horrible stuff because at least it was the universe you were interested in. Right. Right. And now there's just so much. Yeah. And, and especially superheroes, you know, like real superheroes done, you know, seriously, as opposed to campy, you know, it's yeah. been, you know, it's so it's easy to, I guess, to forget what it was like before. So. Uh, I've completely lost track of whose turn it is. So I'm going to just say it's your turn. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I thought that, uh, again, I'll just talk a little bit about the trust thing briefly, and then I want to go into blood. Um, mm. um, you know, so I think she starts off, you know, wanting to be liked for being Jen, but just has a hard time trusting people and trying to figure out what this relationship with the She-Hulk is for herself. And just trust in general, I think, is, is hard for her. And then, you know, I thought that that was kind of implied as well when she starts to date Josh. I mean, she met those guys in uh, in the dating app and was like, as soon as she got, you know, hit it off with one, boom, they were they were sleeping together. Yeah. But with this Josh guy who seemed really nice and really sincere, who obviously more potentially, you know, threatening to trust, you know, because you really could get hurt. Um, so she takes her time. And so they make a point of showing us that they go on at least three dates before she invites him in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, also, and then, that was She-Hulk on that other date. And I think yeah, in yeah, her true. She-Hulk form, she's more impulsive and emotional. Yeah, no, I and think that's a good more point. more horny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but then, of course, when he betrays her um, and ghosts so her. Yeah, just to confuse her, you know, and just adds fire to this identity struggle and the whole trust issues. And uh, and then especially, you know, when we see, you know, you know what it is, in fact, you know, the treachery that that he actually did, you know. And but I think it's also, you know, she she th this is kind of coming back to what Bruce was trying to tell her about. You know, you're a superhero now. You may not want to be and you may choose to try and do something else. But people are going to come for you, and you know there, there's just there's just that's just going to happen, and this is a perfect example. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And so she has to look at her life, and she has to look at herself differently than she always used to. Um, so anyway, those are just um, I thought that was that was that was an important part of the series uh, or the episode. Um, in terms of blood, remember Bruce made it explicit how dangerous their blood was should yeah, fall into yeah. the wrong hands. And I mean, they made a serious, I mean, the, the one thing I do love about Marvel is they don't show you stuff that doesn't mean anything. Um, True. How many series have we watched where some even lost, you know, they'll show you all <laughs> sorts of these amazing, cool things and then nothing ever comes of it, you know? So yeah, um, yeah. Marvel's not like that. So they showed us blood for a reason, you know, and, and basically the whole backbone of the, the villain threat in this series has been about getting her blood, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, uh, Hulk's origin film was also all about getting Hulk's blood. And I think mm -hmm. it's interesting. I think they're trying to parallel that with this as well. Um, you know, they were trying to get um, Thunderbolt Ross was trying to get Hulk's blood to build uh, superheroes, uh, super soldiers um, and continue the, the super soldier program that, created Captain America. Um, and that's how we ended up getting the abomination. Um, so right. I think it's totally appropriate that the abomination is in this series. Yeah. It also, it's also proof of how dangerous the blood is. Correct. And, and it's also the, the original Hulk movie was the origin of a character called the leader mm -hmm. who is a 
Hulk villain um, that they've already they announced at D23 that he's going to be one of the main villains in Captain America 4. Um, when we saw him get exposed to the blood and start to in his head in a gash in his head and its head starts to expand and that the leader is this green guy with this really large head which is f filled with an extra large brain and he's like super super intelligence um, and uh, he actually creates a um, in the comics he creates a group called uh, the intelligentsia which is the name of that website yeah. Um, and the intelligentsia is this group of kind of um, brain-centered villains, <laughs> for lack of a better word, you know, uh, that uh, end up creating the Red Hulk, um, which is another character that, that that's um, in the comics that we haven't been introduced to yet in the Marvel Universe. Um, so I just think that um, there's a good chance that he's he is involved in this blood theme or blood um, storyline mm -hmm. um, uh, and I just think that you know the the chain of events in this episode was all part of the the Jen's getting Jed's blood you know as I said uh, earlier um, I want to know how Josh did get her blood though like I get how he got in there how he got access to her that's pretty clear but I still have questions about when Jen is threatened with any kind of, you know, like same thing when Titania threw her across the, across the pavement and she didn't immediately turn into She-Hulk. She didn't like, he was able to puncture her skin without, first of all, she didn't wake up. And secondly, without her turning into She-Hulk, it's, it's not how my understanding was of how the Hulk transformation works. I thought that it was impossible to, to puncture Bruce's skin. It's not impossible to puncture Bruce's skin. It's impossible to puncture um, the Hulk's Hulk skin. And the reason that um, he doesn't turn into the Hulk when they have the car accident, which gives the him the blood injury, is the inhibitor he has on. Because normally any, anything that would damage him would initially would, would um, in, initiate his transformation, which would then heal him immediately. Um, which is why, like when in um, uh, Ragnarok, when he jumps out of the plane and smashes on the rainbow bridge and doesn't turn into the Hulk, and you're just like, oh my God, this guy's dead, you know what I mean? And then he turns into the Hulk because the transformation had already started um, as soon as the threat was there. And then he talks also in Avengers, the first Avengers, about trying to shoot himself. Um, yeah. You know, and then, you know, he said, I shot myself in the in the mouth with a bullet and the, the other guy spit it out. So um, he can't control it unless he has the inhibitor on. Um, so, you know, I don't know, you know, if that's the same with Jen, I would assume it is. Um, so I'm not sure how the blood was taken, but, you know, uh, because if he tried to like take a syringe to her regular skin, I would think that she would feel that. Right. And then the um, body would kick in, you know, and they showed us that when he blew the horn and she she's sleeping as Jen and wakes up as as She-Hulk because of the, of the sphere. So I, I don't know, but um, maybe it didn't have to be blood per se. Maybe it just had to be bodily fluid. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out. Yeah, and it's possible. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because he, they, they, he definitely used the symbol. Yeah. For the for the syringe and blood, so um, unless maybe he doped her up, and then yeah, was able yeah. to you know and was able to uh, to withdraw it without her knowing, um, you know get a, a like a, a needle. I do like, even though I'm upset for Jen that she got played like that, and I'm angry at Josh for being very good at playing her. I uh, I do like that the show showed that a direct, strong, like, brute, violent approach doesn't always solve your problems, right? Like, this guy who wants to get her blood tried the direct right. strength approach, and it failed. But an insidious side approach with, like, a gentler approach can sometimes work. And even though the bad guys used it in this case, 
I I just like that message in general that it's not always about strength and it's not always about violence. That sometimes you need to be smart and sometimes you can solve your problems by going at them from another angle. Marvel does this a lot and it does a lot of intelligence winning out over strength and it's yeah. one of the things I really like about the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I think it was also, though, um, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly and I think that... Um, uh, and I, I also like that about Marvel as well. Um, it's not all about punching. Um, but I, I also think it fit into the subtext of, of the series, which is, you know, about women's vulnerability due to male hostility uh, mm-hmm. and also about male gaslighting. You know, um, you know, her emotional baggage has you know, made it um, maybe a bit easier to, to manipulate her or control her. Um, if we think, you know, if we think that Blonsky's group was involved, you know, they, they were definitely playing on that, um, and essentially gaslighting her, you know, just like this guy did. Um, you know, and then just, you know, it's not even bad enough that he did that. Then he takes the pic of her in bed, which probably will be used on the the hate website, I'm assuming to shame her. Um, and it just, again, a kind of being consistent about the message about what women have to deal with. It's not just that they have to deal with, you know, a a, a relationship, which everyone has to deal with. Everyone has to deal with, you know, trusting people and um, the emotions involved in getting involved with somebody. But then you've got to add on to that for women, this additional concern and and fear or or trust issue, which is around, you know, this blowing back on you, you know? Um, I mean, this is a sad reality in our, world which is we live with revenge porn which is a big thing now you know what i mean where people don't get what they want or the relationship breaks up and then they use stuff like that against uh against the women in their in their relationships so and it works which is so frustrating that like some dude taking a unconsented to naked picture of a woman and then posting it online and she ends up losing her job right it's not enough that women have to worry about being, you know, ghosted or emotionally exploited. They also have to worry about being destroyed in the world through online character assassinational assassination and physical exploitation. I mean, it's like it's like this it's not just you're crushing my heart, you're now ruining my career or destroying my life. You know what I mean? Um exactly. and, and and it's just a whole nother level of of fear and anxiety that comes with, with being a woman, I think in, in our society, which is, um, which is it's just really sad. And I think they're commenting on that, but I, you know, I, I don't think they're trying to be too heavy handed about it, but I, I'm, I'm glad that they went as dark as they did. I mean, that was pretty dark, you know, what he did, Yeah. you know, oh. and really creepy as fuck. Um, so, but, uh, so that was all my stuff on that. Did you have another one? Yeah, I have a bunch of points. Um, all right. I wanted to talk about the new characters we got. Uh, Man Bull, uh, in the comics, he usually shows up as a daredevil villain. And I really enjoyed his introduction to Jen when he holds out his hand to shake hands and he's like, Man Bull, a weird lab experience. Experiment. Don't ask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Something, yeah. Something did not go right. Um, Al Aguila is, uh, a swashbuckler. In the comics, he's a mutant, and he works with Iron Fist. He's usually on the hero side. And uh, my favorite line from him, I did do some light matadoring in college. (laughs) Um, And there was a great drawing in the end credits of him matadoring in college. It was real cute. Um, Porcupine, it's funny, he was a real silly character here, but apparently he's gotten into some cosmic... Um, bad trouble and he's a villain for Fantastic Four and the X-Men usually in the comics. Right. Um, Saracen is not necessarily a comic character. It's unclear if he really is a vampire or not. I thought the line of thinks he's a vampire was really hilarious. <laughs> um, there's a there's a Saracen in the comics who is one of the oldest vampires on Earth. Correct. But uh, I don't know. I if think he was in the Blade comics. Yeah, he's in the Blade comics. I don't know if he's gonna if this is the same Saracen or or if we're gonna see him again. It was, yeah, and I noticed the fact that Blonsky thought he wasn't actually a vampire was weird. Yeah, and they um, I think there's another Saracen as well, which is um, a different character from the Punisher stories. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that's what they were going for. I think that this one is is the vampire one. I agree. 
Yeah. And uh, the funniest thing he about him, of course, is that when they're talking about Josh's texts and what might have happened, yeah. he says, he wants, or he wanted your blood. Yeah, he wanted your blood, which that's, you know, again, to me, that was the writers kind of winking at us saying, you know, this these guys are involved in this process. <laughs> yeah. And Manbull says, man, stop talking about blood. Not everybody's your dad. <laughs> Just makes me like suddenly imagine all the group therapy sessions where yeah. Saracen has been talking about his father and right, his father's right. desire for blood. I, it just was, it was a great line. Um, I thought all of them were really a lot of fun. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, I wasn't expecting them. I didn't um, know what I was expecting at Blonsky's ranch, but it wasn't manball. Like right. I just, I didn't expect that at all. The group therapy room was hilarious yep. because clearly Blonsky is is running a business and he has like pictures of himself everywhere and his own quotes up on the walls. Um, and his quotes are dumb. <laughs> today is today. Make your goal a reality. Achieve everything. Seize your true power. I don't know. And then Obama stay seems to be his his tagline. It's, right. you know, the abomination meets right. namaste. Ma- namaste, yeah. He had a bunch of like Buddhas around and what I thought were representations of Hindu deities. I think it was Vishnu and Ganesh, but I'm not positive. Yeah. And then there was like a jar of cash and it said chicken jar. And I I don't, I have, I don't have the foggiest idea what that means. Well, for me, the, the, the whole presentation was a way of saying this is, you know, what a guy would put up if he was, you know, trying to do something that he thought, you know, trying to create what he thought represented that this kind of, uh, I don't want to call it called What's he think of himself as a, uh, guru, like a life or, coach, a life yeah. coach. Yeah, exactly. In other words, it's kind of like, uh, uh, trite, um, cliche stuff. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it really wasn't anything fresh or new. It was just like, you know, cookie cutter, let me put this stuff up. Here's a good saying, you know, I think it's all big scam to keep him out of jail. You know what I yeah. mean? And, um, and I think that, you know, that the deck, the way he presents it is, is very flim flammy, you know, um, in my opinion. Um, yeah, but it was all like well-produced. I guess it's just the Obama stay posters looked really good to me, but, um, the pictures of him everywhere made my eyes roll so many times. I was like, oh, my God, shut up. And, like, his own name under his quotes, like, Emil Blonsky, Emil Blonsky. Right. Uh, pretentious and annoying. But Narcissistic. if it's a fake setup, that's even funnier. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I love, what I, lo- I, uh, I love yeah. you know, in reference to all of those characters, I, I again, it's Marvel's ability to take its its heroes and its comic book characters seriously enough to present them in a real in the real world, but at the same time, take other ones and, you know, poke fun at them. And, and, yeah. and it's a, you know, Marvel, you, you, you just don't see that in it, like in a DC movie, you know what I mean? DC movies are dark and dramatic and violent. And, um, you know, there's barely a joke and, uh, they just never, um, they never poke fun at themselves and MCU does it all the time. And, and I yeah, think it's part it's of delightful. what, yeah. And I think it's part of what makes it so fun. I mean, if you're going to have a world with superheroes in it, there's some of them are going to be these, you know, kooky, pathetic, you know, loser. And, and Marvel's filled with D and C level characters, you know, that, um, that they're, they're using, which is great. It also helps. And, ex- and it's so good for the fans. We're like, I know that guy. Yeah. yeah. It also helps extend the life of the MCU because yeah. you you're using characters that that are in fact MCU and are in fact Marvel characters and people can like to your point get all giddy about going back and finding them and you know the Easter eggs and all that stuff. But it also allows you to fill that role with somebody that's a throwaway to some degree, um, yeah. and, you know that uh, as opposed to a, a good character that you would may want to develop down the road and not waste. You know, but you need you need these characters here for this posit for this role. Um, so make them you know really D D level. <<laughs> yeah, I hope we see uh, Porcupine again. He yeah, I thought hilarious. he was cool. 
Yeah, I thought he was pretty cool. <laughs> I I really enjoyed that whole scene. Yeah, and man bull. The different characters together and when yeah. whoever it was who was like, those two have been spending too much time together. I don't think it's healthy. Change seats. Yeah, take the seats. whole thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was great. <gasps> it was a really great scene. Um, they all give Jen some, you know, some encouragement and support that she's really been needing, and yeah. and she and Wrecker seem to be to come to some kind of truce although she never says like so what was that all about like why yeah did yeah you attack me and he to your point he never says yeah i have this boss who really wants your blood like, right exactly that would have been the stand-up thing to do right so you know he's that's not what, really to be trusted yeah that's why i don't really trust the whole thing you know especially when yeah. they the whole, the, 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 apparently at the very end, the, the whole mission was to get her to wipe the guy's information off her phone. You know, to me, yeah. that, 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 that was the, the nail in the coffin for me as to, I don't trust them. Um, yeah. I did think the guy who plays Wrecker, I've forgotten his name right now, um, did a great job. Oh, yeah. He, I agree. Um, you know, he had a, a very menacing role in Walking Dead. And he was quite memorable in that role. Yeah, he was and, and, he was one of the prisoners, right? In the prison. Yeah. yeah. He was the one that yeah. he ended up that uh Rick ended up taking out. Yeah. Um, because he tried to kill Rick. Yeah. And yeah. uh and he was like a scary bad guy in that show. And yeah. then when he showed up here as Wrecker and when they tried to mug her, it was a little goofy. And I remember that we were like, I hope he gets to do more than that. I think that actor is pretty good. And then he did. He got all this really fun stuff to do this episode. Right. Uh, I thought he was really great. And I, I really hope he shows up again. He's he's doing a really good job with the role. Well, and, and that, it, again, that that's, you know, again, what Marvel does really well is that, you know, they they can now pull on that character at any time down the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, whether it be in the movies or in a series and, and they can, they can have them, you know, be either way comical or, or, you know, horrible, um, which yeah. is, which is cool. Did you uh, notice that the tow truck was called slot towing? Uh, I didn't notice it, but, um, somebody, uh, messaged me about the, yeah uh, about that, that it's, uh, after Dan slot, who's, a yeah, Marvel well the driver writer. and the driver's name tag says Dan. Yeah. So it's Dan Slott Towing. He's a Marvel comic book writer that did a run on the She-Hulk books. He's mostly known for Spider-Man books, but um, he did do a run on on, on Hulk books or on um, She-Hulk books. Yeah, I think Silver Surfer as well. Um, uh, I only have a couple more notes. Do you have any other major points to talk about? Yeah, some other Easter eggs uh, that I, I thought um, were worth, was worth mentioning. Um, Josh... The villain Josh, uh, in the comics, there's a villain called the Hate Monger, um, and his his real name is Josh Glynn, and mm. he wears a um, like a almost like a KKK hood, only he's all purple I think as opposed to white, but he was developed as a kind of um, villain that represented you know hate mongering and. Uh, um, like the clan, uh, I think there could be, you know, that, that could be just an Easter egg for him. Um, and like I said, there was a character in the, um, wrecking crew episode where they, they had a mask on, um, that had big eye holes the way that th this character's does. And we did not see who that was. And it could have been that guy, Josh. So I think they're just kind of doing a tip of the hat to that, to that character or that villain in the, in the comics. Um, what else? The Hulk King, I thought is interesting. Um, the, the ID of the person that Josh texts. Yeah. And that's also the person who runs the intelligentsia website. Correct. Correct. And, um, I think there's two possibilities there. I think one is Hulkling is, uh, who is an actual superhero in the comics is part of the young Avengers. Uh, and coincidentally, the only one uh, only member of the Young Avengers that has not yet been introduced into the MCU. Um, they all, uh, the rest of them all have. Um, he's a scroll Cree hybrid um, who's from hmm. some royalty and he has shape-shifting power and he uh, mostly or almost exclusively chooses to remain in a Hulk-based manifestation of himself and hence the name Hulkling. 
Um, and I think perhaps, you know, there, there could be a storyline here where they're trying to get her blood, uh, the scrolls or the Kree. When we know that the scroll Kree conflict is coming in Secret Invasion, which is coming the beginning in the spring, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And will also be part of the Marvel's uh, movie, I believe, next year. Um, so there might be a tie-in with that, uh, I think, as a possibility. Um, the other is, as I'd mentioned before, that, that it might be the... Uh, the um, oh, the leader. The leader, thank you. The Hulk villain, the leader, and the development of the Intelligentsia evil group. Um, so, And that's, you know, Hulk King. Um, I don't know. But anyway, that was my, my thoughts on that. Um, I just had two other things. One, at one point in group therapy, Jen says, I don't need you to point out my obvious mistakes. I have my mom for that. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've all been there. Oh, yeah. Um, and that when she's watching, when she's waiting for Josh to text, she's watching um, The Great Muppet Caper, a 1981 movie. Right. Specifically the scene where Miss Piggy gets all frustrated and bends her prison bars to right. escape from prison. And uh, I just thought it was funny to see Miss Puggy, Miss Piggy hulk out and uh, and Jen watch it. Um, oh, and at one point, doesn't the parole officer ask Jen to turn into She-Hulk? And he's like, whatever you do, Jolly Green Giant yourself. Right, yeah, Jolly Green Giant. Yeah. <laughs> that was She's hilarious. like, you call it hulking out. But I'm like, <laughs> Jolly Green Giant yourself is funny. Like, yeah, that's pretty and, good. Um, and last week, Titania told her to green up, which I like as well. Yeah, that was um, cool. There's some fun phrases. I liked also in the end when she's driving away and she's kind of finally come to terms and, and resolved a lot of this inner conflict about, you know, is she Jen? Is she She-Hulk? Or is she both, you know, um, and and coming to terms with all that. The the song was uh, IDGF, ID, mm-hmm. IDGAF by Dua Lipa. Um, and in, uh, it's uh, some of the lyrics is, I cut you off. I don't need your love you know, kind of, um, and it's really upbeat. I, know, I just thought that, that that was a nice syncing. I like when the music ties to the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, now I know why Greg texted me, I love IDGAF by Dua Lipa. And that was the whole text. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, it wasn't until the end of the show. I was like, oh, because yeah. he must have watched it hours before I did. Yeah. Um, it was pretty funny. Uh, all right, everybody, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back in a few minutes. There's more to come. So stay with us. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. We didn't find any interesting news about She-Hulk this week. So we're going to just go right over to listener feedback. Kirk? Hey, the first uh, feedback we have is from Des Combs. Uh, and they write, even with all of its flaws, I'm loving this episode more every episode. I think she means, or they mean uh, this series even more every episode. The sillier it gets, the better. People are hating on this show, obviously haven't read The Sensational She-Hulk or any of the series that followed. I'm not sure what Emile's deal is. El Iguala is traditionally a hero, so I don't think he's putting together a team of villains. Is he really trying to help people? I don't remember if you mentioned it last episode, but did anyone catch Nikki breaking the fourth wall last episode? Hmm. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, you caught it. And Greg caught it as well, but I didn't see it. So I got to go back and look. (laughs) Uh, Bob Oaks also wrote in and says, this may be my favorite episode so far. Yeah. I loved the montage with Josh and Jen that showed how they got from meeting at the wedding to the bedroom. During the montage, I worried that this guy was trying to get close to Jen for devious reasons, but I forgot all about that when she was obsessing over not getting a text back as I got caught up feeling bad for Jen. Aww. I loved everything with Emile and the retreat. I thought it was brilliant, and it felt like Jen had a real true breakthrough accepting herself as both Jen and She-Hulk. It felt genuine, and it feels like it was the first step owning who she is. I loved it. Yeah, me too. And, yeah, I loved it too. And I really enjoyed the sideshow troupe. They were hilarious and fun, and I loved all of it. And the breaking the fourth wall in this one to call up the previously clip was nothing short of awesome. 
Finally, when are we getting Daredevil? The tease was two episodes ago. We are running out of episodes here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think we'll get him. I think we'll get him next episode, and then and then and perhaps the last episode. Uh, if I had to guess, we'll get uh, Matt Murdock next week, and then in yeah. the final episode, we'll get we'll get um, Daredevil. Uh, maybe he'll team up with her um, on this intelligentsia thing. Maybe they have overlapping case or something. I don't know. You want to read the next one? Nathan Eshelman writes, I'm glad Jen was able to have a day for self-care and realize she's amazing just as she is, even without her Hulk powers. As the audience, we knew that, so it's great that she can acknowledge it too. I have a lawyerish question for Penny. Is it a conflict of interest for Jen to spend a relaxing therapeutic day under her client's care? Mm, interesting. Even though she didn't go there for that reason. I guess my question is, what level of attachment are they allowed to have? That's a great question, Nathan. Yeah. I do not believe that what we saw on screen was a conflict of interest. Blonsky is offering these services of life coaching um, as his business and his new life. And as his lawyer, she has every reason to go and just see what he's up to. But also um, just partaking of a client's services is not a conflict of interest. If she were to say... Um, go in on the business with him and have profit on the line, that would be a conflict of interest. It, it's also not necessarily a conflict of interest if she were to get romantically involved with him, um, but it would be viewed by many as a conflict and she would be very wise to uh, recuse herself from um, representing him. Yeah. I, I'm Obviously, I'm not a lawyer and you're better equipped to answer that question, but it just seems to me like it, it would make more sense to avoid even the slight like, you know, implication that she's um, in any way connected to this to this client. You know, like if their client owned a restaurant, I, I wouldn't go I wouldn't go eat at their restaurant. You know what I mean? Oh, I would. Um, yeah. Well, you, like I said, you know, you know better. But I would think that that would be a possible thing to be exploited by um by by other people it would have to be something more valuable than a meal or just a day right um at a retreat like it would have to be for it to be a conflict of interest it would have to be something of real value on the line um like a job for somebody's kid or right, right. um you know cash money or a part of the business um it's actually the ethics rules are actually a lot looser than I expected them to be when I first became a lawyer. Most of them are about not commingling your money with your client's money. There's right. like pages and pages of rules about that. Um, but about like conflicts of interest, it's like, eh, try to avoid them. Like it's just really uh, loosey goosey. Judges have a lot more strict rules about things like that. Um, because a judge, a judge's job is to be impartial, so they can't have any kind of personal relationship with anybody who's in front of them in the court. But like, I could represent my brother in court; it'd be fine. Right. That makes sense. Uh, so we didn't get any emails or voicemails, uh, but we love them. So send them in for next week, you guys. But we got a lot of answers to the Marvel question of the week, which is great. Uh, last week's question was, who from the MCU would you want as your best man or maid of honor? And our first answer was from Jason Cabasi, podfather himself. He said, maybe Groot. He's such a great guy and his speech pretty much writes itself. And of course, I want Peter Quill for my DJ. <laughs> oh, that's good. Peter Quill as DJ is perfect. Yeah. He would just play those same two mixtapes over and over again. But they're Yeah, right. That's, that'd be plenty. Uh, do you want to read the next one? Sure. Cheryl Lowe says, uh, maid of honor would be Darcy. She's a good assistant, so she would be great with all the planning and help, but also so funny and help keep me down to earth when I start freaking out. <laughs> That's good. Darcy is a great character. Yeah, I love Darcy. She's so yeah. fun. Uh, Bob Oaks says, best man is easy. Iron Man. He'd spend a ton of money on a bachelor party and not give it a second <laughs> thought, which is really true. He'd True. probably throw an amazing bachelor party, but he might forget who you are and leave. Yeah. Or put you up, put everybody on a plane and go to some, you know, the Cayman Islands or something and then have to take off as Iron Man and you're stranded there. 
Um, Nathan Eshelman uh, says, also for the question of the week, I think I'd break gender roles and have Madison be my maid of honor. It just seems like she'd be super supportive and have a lot of fun at the reception. Where's Madison? <laughs> I, that's true. Madison is the, um, you know, it's two N's and one Y. But oh, right, right. It's not where you think. <laughs> right. Who's also a, a, a much more, uh, I think, deeper complicated character than we're being shown right now yeah i hope we get to see her again yeah well she um, she made a yeah. deal with somebody um uh, rinaldi and i'm so sorry if i mispronounce your last name calixte or calite uh says war machine because he knows every time travel movie and took a laser blast to the chest and suffered paralysis in his efforts to support tony stark that's best man material yeah it is it definitely is yeah he's a true friend who would you pick, Kirk? Um, I think it would be a, a a tie between Steve Rogers, Captain America. I just, you know, he's he's uh, to me he's the perfect superhero. And if you're gonna have a superhero, that that's who I'd want. Um, I just I, I dig him a lot. And uh, and if not him, then Peter Parker. Oh, Peter Parker! By Spider Man, he's just a lot of fun. He's he is. It, you you would surely have a chaotic wedding, but it would be delightfully fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the bad guys would definitely show up for that. I have. I also have a split choice, and one of the people I was thinking about was uh, Bruno from Ms. Marvel because I saw that wedding they put on on that show, and it was amazing. And yeah. I want to have a wedding like that. Um, <laughs> the other one I choose is Pepper Potts. She is ah, organized and common yeah. crisis. I oh, can yeah. see saying, Pepper, these members of my family don't get along with these other members of my family. And she would be like, I'm on it. And it would just yeah. be taken care of. That's a very practical choice. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, our new Marvel question of the week is, uh, so you know how Tony Stark always plays Back in Black by ACDC, like when yeah. he shows up on scene? I love, I love Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peter. Um, what should other MCU characters' signature songs be? For example, like She-Hulk, her song could be "I'm Every Woman" by Whitney I'm Houston. Every woman. Yeah, a song I love. Wasn't and that, that by Chaka? Wait a minute! 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 Wasn't that by Chaka Khan? I believe Whitney wrote it, and Chaka Khan covered it. Ah. But it is a fantastic song in both versions. Um, really, really fun to karaoke with a group. I bet. Um, but uh, I can't possibly compete with Whitney's voice. I've never done. <laughs> I've, no, who can? I've yeah. never. I've never done karaoke. It's so fun, but you have to be pretty comfortable with the people that you're with. Yeah, or or you got to be have a few drinks in you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that exactly. doesn't that doesn't hurt. <laughs> Until next time, everyone. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch or find out more about Podcastica, you can find out uh, all of our contact information at podcastica.com. While you're there, you can write, a, write into us, record a voice message right on the website, and find links to our social media pages and all the other many, many shows that Podcastica has going on right now. I'm personally also working on uh, Rings of Power, which has been a lot of fun and extremely different from She-Hulk. Yeah. Uh what are you listening to these days, Kirk? Um, I have really not had time to, to listen to much. Uh, I would love to start listening to the um, uh, the Dragons uh, podcast mm-hmm. because I'm really enjoying that show. Um, so I'm going to try and and, uh, and do some uh, get some time on that because that's uh, that's like the top of mind right now for me. I'm, I'm loving that show a lot. That podcast is really good because they do this very in depth book section at the end so you can miss the spoilers and just go to the end and and um you know you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to but um rennie archmaster rennie comes on every episode and gets into like deep deep background talk about the books and it adds so much to watching the show i really love it excellent yeah definitely want to check that out um, I also want to remind everyone that Kirk is an amazing artist and you should check out his website, studiokm.com. Thank you. Um, next time on this podcast, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 8, title not yet released. Hopefully we're going to get a little bit of Daredevil, you know, maybe, hopefully. 
<laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. That's right. In the yellow suit, no less. Definitely, yeah, I definitely really think cool. that what's going to happen with with the Netflix characters is they're going to be variants, um, and that's why we're getting the yellow suit because uh, I think that uh, he's probably going to be just starting out as Daredevil, and that's what he wore in the comics as his first suit was the yellow suit. Um, so, just a guess on my part. We'll see. We'll see. Uh- that's our show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Penny, for having me. I had a blast, and uh, I, I hope to do it again sometime. I hope so, too. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye, everybody. I'm, I'm hurting, hurting for a yurtin'.